Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. excited that you joined us today. We're in the middle of a message series entitled Power Up. And, uh, and so just to kind of catch everybody up to speed, we're going to talk over the course of the next eight weeks. We're going to finish out this series. And we're talking about the fact that um, there's a passage of scripture that we're going to cover, which speaks to that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're not a follower, just, just sit and watch. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, through all circumstances good, bad, indifferent, produces within our lives or chooses and wants to produce within our lives certain principles or certain emotions, certain feelings that were entitled fruits of the Spirit. And last week we talked about the first fruit of the Spirit, which that the Holy Spirit inside of us, when, when you've been wronged, um, when you're excited, um, the first fruit of the Spirit is, is love, excuse me. And love is what is required of all of us. And we started with love because it truly is the most important of the fruits of the Spirit. Because without love, there is nothing. And so we started last week and we learned, and over the course of the next eight weeks, we're going to take each fruit of the Spirit and learn what it means to truly deploy this. Now, today's fruit of the Spirit is called joy. Now, here's the teacher in me is just really excited. I'm amped up today. Because um, I want you right now, to think about. When I say the word, you should have joy, I want you to think, what do I picture? What does true joy look like? How do I define it? How do I describe it? We know the word joy. We kind of get ideas of what joy is, but I want you to begin thinking about right now, as you understand it, what does joy mean to you? Because here's what I promise. In the next 25 minutes, I know because it happened to me, I just promise you that your picture of joy is going to change because scripture actually describes what joy actually is. And we're all going to learn together what it means in our lives to feel, emote, look forward to, and have joy. So in order to kind of kick us off, we're going to go back to our anchor passage, which is in the book of Galatians chapter five, verse 22. You don't have to turn there. You can follow along on the screen. And we're going to really start with understanding the fruits of the spirit. Take a look at this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. So for those of you that are new to us, basically, you're here for the first time, the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruit. And I love what it says at the end. And, and I'm a guy that needs a standard. I'm, I'm the guy who always wants to know, all right, what, what do I need to accomplish? What's the expectation? And God actually sets in this passage the expectations for all of us. And here's what he says. Look, Terry. If if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have accepted that my son is the son of God and that he died on a cross for your sins and you want to follow him and you want to turn your life over to him and do what he wants you to do, then it's very simple. Allow him to work through you to produce all of these things. And if every day of your life you say, God, I don't want to react. I don't want to respond. I want to first allow you to speak from me. And so what is the right course of action? And if you allow those fruits of the Spirit to come forth, then you will meet my standard. In fact, the writer says, not only will you meet the standard of God, you don't even have to worry about what the standard is. Don't miss this. That if you live your life every day employing the fruits of the Spirit, you don't have to worry about whether you're doing something right or wrong because you'll always be in the right. There is freedom in that. If you've ever worked a job 
where you are trying to figure out the expectation and you work really hard every day because you think, well, I think I'm doing good. I think my boss approves. I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And then all of a sudden he comes in and says, sorry, we're going to have to let you go because you didn't meet the expectations. You get just hammered and you're like, oh, how did this happen? Isn't it great to know that we have a God who very clearly in scripture says, you want to know the standard? Here it is. Just live your life this way. And then you don't even have to worry about what the right, the wrong, and the different is. Just live your life like this. And that's what the writer says in Galatians. For some of you, that's your message today. You can go to sleep for the next 20 minutes, and you can leave having joy of knowing that God has set a standard for you to live by. But we're going to begin to unpack what joy is, the second fruit of the Spirit. So here we go. This, and by the way, normally we usually anchor into one passage of Scripture, and I like to tell a story and unpack it all. Today, we're going to jump around to a lot of places in the Bible that speak about joy. But we're going to take you on a journey, and we're going to define and describe what joy is for you. So if you're a type A note taker, all the Scriptures are in the Version Bible app, so you can download that and you have it all. But I want you to follow along on the screens because we're going to jump around a little bit. And this comes from 1 Peter chapter 1. Take a look at what the author says. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Hang on to that. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... It'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Let me, for those of you who like visuals and pictures, I want to give you a picture that describes this passage of scripture as we begin to define joy. What the author says is, we look forward to the joy ahead. And he gives us glimpses. And I want you to picture on this stage, stage, this is where joy rests. And the author then says, in our lives, we are going to go through a lot of trials. And these trials are going to be difficult. We're going to make mistakes. And all in this process, we're going to be living our lives, and it's like we're going on a roller coaster. But he says, the joy is ahead. So don't ever forget that there's joy ahead. Because through the, through the trials, we can become miserable. We can become nasty. We can lose perspective. And we can lose sight of the fact that ahead, there is joy. And so what he says is this. You need to live by faith. And says, if you live a life of faith, then you will make it through these trials and you will ultimately come to the goal of inexpressible joy. I used to think that joy was an emotion that all of us found every single day. But if you really think about it, that's not necessarily the true definition of joy. If you've ever had a child and you've sat there in the delivery room and you've held your first child for the very first time, you can't, as much as you try, you can't wipe the smile off your face, can you? Something overcomes you. Tears begin streaming down your eyes. You can't express what is welling up inside of you. It's something you've never experienced before. You have no idea where it's coming from. You're overwhelmed in the process. You don't remember anything of what anybody says because you are just overwhelmed with inexpressible joy. Here's the interesting thing. That joy is close 
But not even, not even, when I say close, it's still pretty far from what true joy is. And we're going to figure out what true joy is in a second. But here's the point. Through our trials, we will get glimpses of what joy is. And when we feel and express that joy, it comes through faith. Now watch what he says. The author said this. Though you haven't seen Jesus, you what? Trust him. Some of you have really bad memories. The passage we just talked about. Though you haven't seen him, you trust him. And when you trust Jesus in every situation, and when you take a step towards joy, it's what we call faith. So let me simplify it now that I've confused everybody. Joy, we will all gain when we sit in front of Jesus Christ in heaven. That's the true picture of joy. We don't know what joy is yet. We have no earthly idea. Because joy awaits us ahead when we all go see Jesus and are with Jesus for eternity. That's what joy is. But in the meantime, what the writer says is, as you endure trials, trust Jesus. Take a step of faith. And when you do, you'll experience the joy that awaits you. Does that make sense? It's pretty powerful. And it really describes the Christian life, doesn't it? So if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you three notes and we're going to unpack them really quickly. And I want you to write this down. Faith turns principle into practice. When you trust Jesus, even though you haven't seen him, here's what you do. You hear from the Holy Spirit. You read God's word. It says, Terry, you shouldn't have done that. You should go apologize. I don't want to apologize. I understand what you want to do, but it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And what Jesus would call you to do, because his word says that you should apologize because you were mean. Last week we unpacked it. You did the wrong thing. So your responsibility is to repent, and you need to make restitution. You need to go and apologize. I don't want to apologize. Tough. Has, ever, has the Holy Spirit ever said tough to you before? Mine does. I'm just saying. He needs to talk like an athlete. For tough. Get on the field. Let's go. And so all of a sudden, in that moment, I have a choice. I don't see Jesus in human form right now, but I know he's prompting my heart. And so, God, I'm going to take a step of faith, even though it doesn't feel right. Because I know the joy of the Lord is my goal. And so, God, I'm going to, by step of faith, I'm going to take your principle and I'm going to put it into practice. Does that make sense? There's another principle here. Faith prioritizes truth over circumstances. When you are standing there and I say, I don't want to apologize. Why don't I want to apologize? Simple, pride. We all have it. Circumstances. But God, she did this and she's done this 27 times and I didn't say anything the first 26 times, but on the 27th time I let her have it and it felt good. Ooh. So I'm justified because I didn't say a word the other 26 times. So on the 27th time, that's it. Somewhere it's got to be in the Old Testament, somewhere where the 27th time I'm allowed to do this. I won't look it up. Well, we know that's not true. And so here's what faith does. Faith prioritizes truth over our emotions, over our circumstances, over our feelings. Here's the third thing that faith does. Faith produces conduct that matches content. When you take a step of faith, it produces within you a type of conduct that matches the content of Scripture. So I know there's a lot of us that fail at this on Sunday. I know 
because now granted I'm a pastor and so I'm usually one of the last ones to leave so I don't have to face this temptation. But there are some of you that when we were worshiping, there's another standing in the fire. Amen, Jesus, yes. And you're feeling, oh, it's amazing. It's awesome. Hands raised. Jesus is alive. This is amazing. Hallelujah. I love my brother and sister. I don't even like you, but I'll give you a hug anyway. Jesus is awesome. And then church ends. And then all of a sudden you get distracted and you, and you go out and you get in the car. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, if we hit, we can hit the early bird still. We got 27 minutes to hit the early bird. We need to go because brunch is going to end. So let's go. And there's four church members in front of you. And then all of a sudden you see another church member walk out of church and walk up to the side car door when the car is in the street. And they say, oh, sorry, I just want to say hi. And they stand there and you're in the car going, what are you doing? I got to go. Goodness gracious, you're in the road and you're going nuts inside the car. And then all of a sudden they turn back at you and you're like, "Ah, God bless you. Jesus loves you. Amen. Your conduct in that car does not match the content that God calls us to. We get distracted, don't we? Let me illustrate this one last way. We had an amazing time last Sunday at the Pelicans game. We have over 300 of our members. You can clap for that. It was a lot of fun. When I said you can clap for that, it was more than just one person. I'm just saying. <laughs> throw a dog a bone here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Courtesy clap, courtesy clap. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. So we're at this game, and um, it was amazing. We had a lot of fun. And about five minutes before uh, the game is about to start, all of a sudden I had someone come up to me and said, Hey, Terry, are you ready to throw out the first pitch? I go, What? Now, I want, I want you to understand something. I played college baseball. I coached college baseball. I can, if, if, I can throw a ball. But I am not young anymore. And this arm, I could stand up here and put a microphone, and you could hear a lot of little clicks in this shoulder. I got stuff torn. It is not pretty. So in order for me to take a baseball and in the back of that room, get it close to that camera guy right there, and if you fall asleep again, that's what's going to happen to you. I'm just saying. But anyway, in order for me to get close to him, I need to warm up for at least 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? I got to get the grease the wheel here. So they tell me you're going to go up and you're going to throw a pitch. Now, I can promise you, I pictured in my mind, if I throw this pitch, I'm going to hit the photographer. True story, right before we went up, the photographer came up and said, hey, there's only one rule to this. Don't hit me. And I started chuckling. And so right off the bat, I'm saying, I, I don't have time to warm up. They're not going to, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going I'm to kill somebody. And so Connor, my son, is standing next to me, and I know it would be much, much more of a joy for him to be able to do it. So I said, Connor, do you want to do it? And, he, and he's 11, so he, his, his shoulder is fine. He's like, yeah, let's go, Dad. So we go up, and we're, we're standing on the first baseline. And now here, here's the thing. Middle schoolers, middle schoolers, did you know that they're actually losing their brains? I'm not joking. You can look it up. I'm not kidding. There is a process called pruning, and when you hit middle school, Pruning is the shrinking of your actual brain. It happens in all of us. And at about 11 and 12 years old, it happens. And that's why middle schoolers literally look like they're losing their brains. If you've ever had a child and you said three times, don't forget your lunch, don't forget your lunch, don't forget your lunch, and they walk out the door and they forgot their lunch on the counter, they are losing their brains. So you have a little grace there. But here's the point. Connor's standing there with me and this lady, because now we've got like one minute left and the lady hasn't given instructions and she comes over and says, okay, what's your name? Okay, Connor, you're going to throw out the first. Okay, great. She started rattling off about six things that Connor needed to know in order to make the timing of this first pitch. I don't think I got all six. She went so fast and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Connor and Connor's just looking at the lady and he seems calm, but I'm like, there's no way this kid got 
four of these. I mean, he's going to go up there and he's going to, he's going to hit the mascot with the ball. I mean, he, he has no idea what's going on. And so now I'm starting to panic and I think, okay, let me listen. I think I got it all. And then I'll recap it to Connor to make sure he's got it. So she says, okay, you ready? Ready? And I go to recap and a guy says, okay, sir, you're gonna have to stand back. And so I'm like, wait, wait, wait. and so I had to push back with my camera and I'm like, oh dear God, I didn't get a chance to tell him he's on his own. Oh, this is good. So I got the camera out because I figured for America's Funniest Home Videos, this was going to be good. So I got the camera out and I'm ready to go ahead and video him. And here's what happens. They go ahead and they announce his name. He jogs right out to the mouth, step one. He sits there and he, and he has to wait until they say his name. Check two. He throws a perfect strike to the catcher, step three. He has to jog all the way to the catcher, shake the catcher's hand, step four. He then has to turn in a certain direction to be able to take a a picture with all of the mascots, step five. And step six, he has to jog off the field because he has to do that really quick. That kid, he's been sandbagging me. Because he did all six of those things like that. And when he came off the field, I'm like, Who are you and what did you do with my son? But here's the point. Connor saw the goal of throwing a first pitch out in front of a crowd. And that was so joyful for him. And so what Connor did, and I think what a lot of us do, is that when we're really focused on something we really, really, really want to accomplish, we put blinders on. And Connor, the only thing that mattered in that moment was throwing that first pitch. And he, it was as if he put these blinders on and he heard every instruction and he followed it to a T. And I think in our lives, that's what the Holy Spirit wants for us. Because we get distracted though, like middle schoolers. Terry, today, look for an opportunity to love. Sorry, this guy cut me off, God. I can't even focus. Let me take our glasses off. It's as if we need these blinders on in our lives to really, really make a difference. Now, here's what we're going to do. This is the interactive portion of our program. And what I'd like to do is I'm going to give you a test. And right off the bat, you're starting to sweat. I understand. Because I said that faith produces conduct that matches content, right? And if our job is, I'm a practical guy, if our job is to move towards joy, and our job is through faith to be able to accomplish it, then I want to put all of us on the test today. Because some of you say, well, Terry, how am I going to do this? Well, I can go ahead and begin to grade you right now. So here, I was a former teacher. I'm going to give you a five-question test. Some of you type A's have already figured out you can't get more than one wrong. You already figured that out. 20 points apiece. I'm going to give it to you. Nobody kind of brag or raise your hand, but I'm just going to put it out for you. And we're going to look at content from scripture that's very clear. And if you're a follower of Jesus, it's very clear. It has an instruction. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you you don't argue with that. You say, nope, that's what God wants me to do. And so if faith is trusting Jesus, even though we don't see him in every day of our life, taking a step of faith, then whatever his content is should produce the kind of conduct that God would be pleased with. Does that make sense? So five-question test. I'm going to give you five passages of scriptures. We're going to read it together. We're going to also figure out what the passage is speaking to, and then we're going to ask ourselves the question, am I doing it? Are you ready? I'm sure we're the church. Everyone's saying amen. Jesus is amazing. Everyone's going to get 100, right? We'll see. First scripture, Joshua 1.8 says this, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Let me ask the question, what's the principle of this passage? 
What is God asking you to do? Bible study, right? Okay. Meditate on a day and night, which means study it continuously, and then you are to think on it every single day. So that way you don't lose track of what God's Word says. So, question one. Are you studying God's Word and meditating on it day and night? Yes or no? You got it? I already see some frowning faces. It's okay. Remember, I said you can, you can miss one. It's okay. All right, let's go to the second one. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Now, it speaks to controlling your tongue. What's the principle? What is the church guilty of a lot? What's a grapevine? Gossip. So, how are we doing with that one? When someone tells you something, and it's something negative about someone else, and someone asks you, hey, does anything go on over here? Do you bite your tongue? Or do you say, ooh, I can be the one to reveal the juicy story? How did you do on that one? Number two. Number three, don't use foul or abusive language. I was a baseball coach and a Christian at the same time, and I can promise you I'd go out to right field, and it was very difficult for me to say, let's go out there and kick their butts. So how are we doing with that one? That one's easy. It's about our language, right? It's about how we edify Jesus in everything we say. How did you do on that one? Number four, this is a tough one. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. This is not a tithing message and I'm not here to shame or to guilt anybody because here's the principle that I do understand. God calls us to live a generous life. And the only aspect in Scripture that God basically says, look, out of everything I'm asking you to blindly trust me me with, I'm going to give you a promise that is ironclad in Scripture on this one, that if you actually open your hands up and live a life open-handed and live a life of generosity and you look to give to others, I promise you this, you will never outgive me. I promise this, you will never lack what I can give you. And that's living a life of generosity. So how are we doing with that one? Number four. Number five. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I've talked to a lot of individuals who have accepted Jesus Christ and said, I want to follow him, and I want to, I want to follow him every day of my life. And my question to you is, have you been baptized? And if the answer is anything but Yes, then your conduct is not matching your content. How did you do on that one? All right, out of 100, how did we do? You don't have to shout your scores out. But my guess is in this room, there are many of us that maybe got one, two, maybe three right. And here's the problem. We're put on accountability today, aren't we? Because... What God calls us to do is keep our eyes fixed on joy. And through whatever faith calls of me, my conduct matches my content. But we get distracted. And in fact, I want to take you through really quickly a couple of other times that God's people got distracted. And I want to show you what God taught them through it. Because the church gets distracted. And all of a sudden, we get focused on the wrong thing. And all of a sudden, we begin to justify bad behavior, and we put it at the altar of Christ. If you've ever gotten angry at someone, 
and you said, well, they did this and they're saying this about Jesus, so it gives me every right to do this. You don't know your Bible. And so that's what happens with Paul. Paul was writing to a church. He was writing to Romans. And he was writing, there were arguments all within the church. People were saying, you shouldn't eat that. It's not right for you to eat that. And you are dishonoring that person if you ate that. And you're, you're, you're kind of you're just you know, insulting me by eating this. And they got so fixated on things that don't matter that Paul wrote this scripture. And take a look at this. He says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. What Paul said is, look, you're going to face trials and you're going to have disagreements, but that's not what the Christian life's about. The Christian life is about focusing on the joy that the Holy Spirit leads us to. So don't get caught up in all of these things. Don't get bogged down and get stuck. Keep moving forward in faith closer and closer to the joy that waits ahead. If you're taking notes, write this down. God doesn't require you to feel joy, but he does expect you to choose it. I think we get confused by this. God promised me joy. I'm not feeling the joy, Terry. I'm angry. I'm upset. No, 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 no. He doesn't expect us to feel anything. He expects us to choose it. Case in point, standing next to a mom who loses her child in a hospital after she just gave birth, I absolutely do not expect her to feel joy in that moment. Neither does God. But God does expect her to choose it. And they say, God, I don't understand God, it's not right. God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through tomorrow. But Jesus, I know you're here. And I know that while I can't, you can. And so I choose joy. I choose the joy that awaits me. And I'm going to take a step of faith and trust you. And I'm going to let my conduct match my content. But some of you in this room, you struggle with this. And you say, Terry, I've done so many things. I have so much guilt. I don't think I can push past the feelings of guilt. So how do we push past in the moments where we say, I don't think God's happy with me. How do I push past? I want you to see God's people because they all messed up royally. They sinned so many times and then Nehemiah gathers all of God's people together because they're sobbing and they're heartbroken and they're before God. God, we've sinned so much. I don't, I don't even think you want to look at us. And watch what Nehemiah does as he gathers them together. Take a look at this, Nehemiah 8.10. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't miss what Nehemiah said. Stop pouting. Nothing's changed. God is who he is. He's on the throne and joy still awaits you. So if you're really serious and repentive and you want to get closer to God, then today let's throw a feast and let's celebrate because God is right here amongst us. Where two or more are gathered, God is here and he wants nothing more than to be a part of our lives. So let's stop pouting and let's start celebrating and let's start taking steps of faith because watch this and I love it. Oh, you should circle it 16 times. I don't know why I picked 16. I just like it. The joy that awaits us becomes our strength as believers in Christ. God, I don't know if I can do this because I feel like you're so angry. Wait a second, wait a second. The goal is the joy that awaits me in heaven. And right now you're saying, Terry, you shouldn't care about this and that. Pick your feet off, repent because I am there. I have died for you. And so today celebrate because I'm right beside you and take a step of faith. Here's the truth. Because the reason why we struggle to do this is this. Pure joy has nothing to do with happiness. 
It has everything to do with holiness. Terry, I don't think I can. Terry, I feel this. Terry, there's no way. I know it's easy to say. And trust me, for some of us, it's really hard to get past our emotions. It's really hard to sit there and say, it's really easy for you to say, Terry, it's easy for you to say, okay, Nehemiah says we should celebrate because God is here. I'm sorry. I just have so much pain and so much anger. I just don't think I can do that. But the truth is, it has nothing to do with happiness. It has everything about growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ and becoming more and more holy. I'm going to close with this. And this is my favorite. Actually, I lied. I got two more. Extra bonus. But if you're sitting in here today and you're saying, Terry, it's great words, but nothing's going to change. In Jesus' name, and I mean this seriously, in Jesus' name, I pray you have eyes to see and ears to hear this next passage. And I've been building up towards it because it's one that humbles me. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was on this earth and he saw the cross before him. And in that moment, even he thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. He even looked at his father and said, if there's any other way, God, let this cup pass from me. And the writer of Hebrews describes how Jesus Christ was able to endure what he didn't deserve, the shame that he absolutely didn't deserve. He was God. How dare his creation mock him, spit at him, beat him, strip him naked. How dare they? He was God. He didn't have to do this. But the writer of Hebrews shares with all of us how Jesus Christ himself got to the cross and beat death. Don't miss this. Hebrews 12, 2-3. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. And then you won't ever become weary and you won't ever give up. If you're sitting there saying, Terry, I don't know how I can choose joy, you can because Jesus Christ did. And it was all because of the same joy that we await. So the next time you say you can't, then you don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit because he can. In fact, James, and I'm gonna go to the next scripture, guys. James actually says this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. Don't miss this. James is not telling all of us today, celebrate when you have hard times. That's not what he's saying. We think that, but that's not what the scripture says. He doesn't say, you should say, God, send me more trials. Ooh, I love trials. No, that's not what he's saying. I don't like bad things. My wife tells me I live in lucky charm land. I like positivity. I like good things. I don't like bad things. And I don't have to. And if you're taking notes, write this down. James doesn't ask us to have joy for trials, but in trials. So when you find yourself in a trial, you look at that joy that waits ahead and say, God, right now my faith is being tested and I'm keeping my eyes on the joy that awaits and I'm going to take a step by faith to be holier and closer to you.
So here's the question. For those of you that your conduct doesn't match your content, are you willing today to put on the blinders that God calls us to? And are you willing to focus on the joy that awaits, enduring what's to come? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for what you're doing. And God, right now, I just pray and I ask your blessing upon this message. I pray for the person today that is struggling. And God, I pray that their emotions right now would understand truth. And in Jesus' name, I pray that your principles will be put into practice and the emotions, while not there yet, that when they take steps of faith, the emotions will follow. So God, may your joy be our strength and may you receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.